This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk security with our new security TME, Andre Middleton, and an team member, Jarrett Calm. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. And on the phone with me today on Cisco WebEx, Glenn Sizemore. How are we doing, Justin? Doing great. Uh, even better now that we fixed our, our audio snafu that we had earlier, but um, that's neither here nor there. I will yeah, not call oh, out the offending party. Oh, I will. I, I updated Skype and all of a sudden it supports HoloLens, but I can't call a Mac. Like, what the hell? Uh, so, so actually it's a feature to remove Mac support cause you don't need Macs. I, I don't know. I don't know what actually what happened there. We had this problem yesterday as well. Um, so Cisco WebEx until further notice, <laughs> um, joining us today is uh, a brand spanking new technical marketing engine here at NetApp, uh, Andre Middleton. Andre, tell us how long you've been here and uh, what specific area of technical marketing you cover. Nice. Uh, I'm Andre Middleton here at NetApp week eight. So getting all inundated and ingrained and all that good stuff. Security TME across the portfolio. So eight weeks. Um, that means you're an expert now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. So I'll be asking you all of the questions I can think of. Um, also joining us today, one of the NetApp A-Team members, uh, Jarrett Calm, a.k.a. JK47. Hi, Jarrett. Hi, it's great to be here. Great to have you. We've been wanting to get you on here for a while, and now the, the moons have aligned um, in, in here here. And this Definitely was the perfect time. topic I love and I love to talk about, so I couldn't have asked for anything better. Exactly. We, we found the perfect moment. We were like, security, we know somebody who loves that and also hates it at the same time. So um, Jared actually has done quite a few security presentations out there in the real world uh, talking about storage security. And, and that's actually kind of a topic that's coming up more and more these days, um, especially with in light of recent hacks. Um, take your pick. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's been quite a few of those, uh, very notable ones, in, in fact. Uh, so, Jared, give us a kind of a high-level overview of some of your favorite fa- your favorite hacks that you've seen. Recently, I mean, the most annoying that I've seen in my customer base is definitely CryptoWall or CryptoLocker, just because that tends to be initiated by the employees themselves and tech- usually the executives. So you can't really point fingers or tell them not to do it because they pay all the bills. But apart from that, the one I talk about the most to customers that might be jumping into cloud solutions is, of course, Code Spaces. That one sent ripples through the cloud community and really was a design issue above all that caused a storage security problem. Yeah, and that Code Spaces one, that's kind of the one that everybody points to when people start talking about moving data to the cloud because they're all like, oh, well, look what happened to Code Spaces, right? Um, and you know, it's kind of a, a a cautionary tale. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's not undersell it, right? There was a company that was moderately successful and then they were out of business (laughs) and all because because somebody got a hold of their keys. Yeah. All their eggs were definitely in one basket and the hackers were a little bit devious in, uh, sending a distributed denial of service attack at them. So it, it got their eyes off of their actual VMs or storage, and they were trying to track that down while all of their data behind the scenes was being deleted. 
So they were in multiple regions within Amazon's AWS, so they were using almost every service they could there. But really, that one panel, all their eggs were in one basket. Yeah, that was, that's an unfortunate story. I mean, it's really kind of sad for them. I mean, and really, it, it put a big wrench into the works of, you know, people trusting cloud for security. But in reality, that wasn't so much a cloud problem, right? It was a setting it up problem. Correct. They had absolutely no immutable backups. What they were doing were things like snapshotting their, their EBS or their block stores of their VMs or dumping data down to S3, but really that's the same access key, that's the same panel, and when you have a situation like that, when just with a couple API calls or going to just one extra website with the same credentials that you can delete it, it's not really an effective backup. So if if they were using something like MPS or Cloud on Tap and Snap mirroring outside, I mean, they would have had absolutely a way to recover their data. I mean, really, if if they were doing it right within moments instead of being out of business in 12 hours. And not only were they hurt, but they were hosting maybe thousands of people's source code repositories. We really don't yeah. hear stories from all the people that were hosted within them. Yeah, that's the real shame of that too, right? Because that wasn't like corporate data. That was a bunch of OSS projects. And most of that stuff I highly doubt ever actually got kickstarted again. Exactly. So, Andre, what about you? What uh, what sort of hacks uh, have really caught your eye in terms of, you know, how they happened and how easy it would have been to fix with some simple best practices? Yeah, a couple uh, a couple that come to mind. Uh, I think people tend to overlook that the most common vector that we see today is still email, right? And it's the most common way we communicate amongst business and personal. So when we see these vectors and, you know, we look at the age-old tried-and-true education, right? We educate our community. We tell people all the time, but how many times do you still walk by a computer that's unlocked on somebody's desk? I probably saw 12 of them today coming to the podcast room. Uh, nonetheless, so so what do we do about it really is, is what we're getting to and what the challenge is. So, and that's really where we're going with some of these TRs and things that you're going to start seeing from me for sure, right? I'm tasked with whether it's the one coming up that we're going to talk about with uh, ONTAP security or there's another one in the works for ransomware. So it's timely considering um, the, the conversation about crypto wall, crypto locker, things of that sort, because we're seeing people encrypt things. And, you know, for, for time and time again, the longest way around this has been or the shortest way around it has been pay the ransom. Well, What's your other alternative? And I think we're in a unique space, you know, to the point, snapshot, snap mirrors, things of that sort. But now we have a TR where we can really highlight, right? You got to take it out of the hands of the end user because we know the education part, uh, it will fail you every single time. So what can we do to help them? That's really what we're getting at. And so with securing on tap, securing, you know, using snapshots, doing some of the remediation solutions around this, um, we'll be well on our way down the road here. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just an ONTAP problem either as far as security goes. I mean, this is across the board. Any storage system is vulnerable. Any computer is vulnerable. And, and, you know, some of it's vulnerability due to user problems, right? I mean, if you have access keys and, you know, like Jarrett mentioned, a phishing attack, it's just basically somebody's somebody's in as you now, so those those don't matter anymore. Um, The encryption stuff that we've added, like, you know, volume encryption, again, if if, I'm in as you, it doesn't matter at that point. So you got to have other fail-safes. you got to have your backups in, in check. Uh, you know, multiple replications out everywhere else, uh, and don't don't put all your eggs in one basket, as Jarrett said. Don't have keys that unlock all doors, right? You know, same thing with with your online presence. Don't use the same password over and over again. 
Yeah, I think it's a big education piece around on you know around the lens, right? I talk to people and peers, and, and what it really comes down to is there's a lot of things that are out there already. You know, there are features, but just just because they don't say security in front or behind it doesn't mean it's any less productive in terms of helping us secure things. Really, it's just the lens at which you start to look at things when you're aware of some of these security things that are happening. So, so Jarrett, what's your favorite uh, tool to use when you're trying to crack into a storage system or any sort of device when you're you know testing it out for holes? Uh, basically the people. I, that's always the easiest way. In a recent health check and audit of a pharmacy, I I basically got into the building, got an office, and onto their data center network, all with the help of staff. So I wasn't supposed to be there, but I noticed they had a smoking area down behind the building. I snuck down there, waited out a while, started talking to someone, a guy that vaped, because all vapors are immediately bros. So he was like, hey, uh, do you have your badge? And I was like, no, I forgot it. And he escorted me in, and he gave me a room to satellite in. And it was one of the manager's office, but that guy wasn't there that day. Come to find out, the printer in that office had open access to their data center. So this was like the golden ticket of any uh, offensive security type assessment. And from there, just knowing that sort of environment, that no one was trained, that they were limited staff, all I had to do was guess default passwords to get into the SAN to get in their VMware environment, and it was it was pretty easy. So that might seem a little bit out of the ordinary, but it's a lot more common than we might think. Really, if we attack the people, social engineering, it's how things really, uh, really start having problems. It's also how Sony was hacked. They social engineered a lot of Sony staff and then eventually got a sysadmin's password. And from there, you're talking hundreds of terabytes of data walked out the door. Hey, it's 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 more than just that, right? I mean, it's just U.S. government, Edward Snowden, Wiki, WikiLeaks, you know, yeah. billions of dollars on defense. Uh, all it takes is a human being to, to decide they're going to they're going to air gap it and you're screwed. Exactly. I've, I've heard of social engineering where they actually take your cell phone information and they call your cell phone provider and they act as if they're you to get that information they need to hack into whatever access points you have, whether it's email or your, or your storage devices or your, or your clients, right? So there's, there's lots of ways to get around that, which is why some of the recommendations now when you're answering the security questions is give fake answers. Absolutely. Exactly. Access, access control uh, continues to be near and dear, right? Especially when you start, start talking social engineering, right? Think about it in terms of levels or hierarchy, right? You social engineer, okay, well, that's a step that you made. But when you start doing things like, say you jump in there and you're like, hey, well, look at this printer. Well, why would the printer have access to the data center? That should never be the case in the, in the end, right? So that's where we can leverage some of the tools. Those of us who have the security lens can help, you know, in that environment, leverage some of these tools to make sure that, hey, Things like wireless APs, they should have their own VLANs and their own segments that they're allowed access to, but not everything else. They shouldn't. They certainly shouldn't get you walking into the data center, right? So access control is key. It was interesting you were able to get in through the printer. <laughs> yes. I mean, wherever there's an open RJ45, I'm going to plug into there it and go. see what I can hear. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And, you know, it goes for, like, you know, protocols, like NFS v3, for example, right? I mean, if I wanted to get in as root on a file system, for my storage device, all I have to do is act like I'm root on a client and spoof that IP address that I know is in the access policy, and I'm in. I'm root. I can go and, and do my own code spaces wipe of things. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about NFS3. That was released in 1995. 
That's the year the movie Hackers was in theaters and Mitnick was arrested. Yes. And it's <laughs> it's really one of the most commonly used protocols in the data center for file based. Right. And I mean, and there yeah. are some ways to secure it. I mean, you could Kerberize the NFS packets themselves, but you can't Kerberize NLM. Right. I mean, so if, you're, you're, if your yeah. tools support it, whereas VMware doesn't with version three, and even when they started to with four, they're using a cipher from 1993. Des. <laughs> so. Yeah. We really just have to implore all the vendors to have a security first mantra. And I'm definitely glad that some of the upcoming TRs are going to be released because it's an area that storage people really haven't thought about much themselves. An enterprise might have a security team that'll put down edicts of we must do this, we must do that. But it's not been the team's responsibility, the storage team. So this this opens the eyes, and hopefully, I would love to see things like the express guides, where we have it for setting up SnapMirror or for SIFs, have a security express guide. Like, oh, your PCI, here's an express guide to get within compliance. Or if you're HIPAA, here's here's a guide just for those verticals. Right, and and I'm glad you kind of brought up the TR uh, aspect because that's why we brought Andre in because he's writing one up. Um, so ONTAP itself has really taken the security aspect seriously because, you know, you have things that you can't really avoid when you get things like uh, Bluefish, uh, you get things like SSL vulnerabilities, and it's locked into the actual operating system which the kernel for ONTAP is built on, right? So BSD itself. So the only way to get around that is to upgrade the operating system, which is an upgrade of ONTAP, which in our case with clustered in ONTAP, you're able to do it non-disruptively. Um, but things like uh, FIPS mode, like giving your, your security guys the ability to, you know, basically make sure the scanners don't come up with reds. Um, so we have a global FIPS mode, not TAP9. Uh, encryption. So Jarrett mentioned DES encryption. How are, you know, VMware's current implementation of Kerberos is using this old uh, archaic style of encryption for Kerberos. We give you AES-128, 256, and ONTAP-83 and beyond. Kerberos 5P for privacy. Kerberos 5I for integrity. Um, TLS 1.1 and 1.2 support, and ONTAP 9 and beyond. Andre, am I missing anything? Uh, you're covering all the bases. I mean, we're, uh, things are getting you got export controls, right? You got F policy, right? We're, we're covering all of the bases there. Um, and really, it's, it's really tapping in uh, to Justin's point is one of the big things that we started uh, right when I came on board was um, this secure development lifecycle, right? Not just software development lifecycle, but looking at it from a secure lens. And it's really getting those coders, those developers who have all these different components that have to come together to make the whole to start having this security lens, right? And, you know, for those internal, we do things like a, a white belt program, right, which a lot of companies are starting to employ, uh, it's, it's invaluable to the coder's mindset as they're starting to put code in and not using float variables and things where we can have cross-site scripting errors and things of that sort within code. But it also gives them that lens that when they're looking at these functions, something like, oh, we're going to use a version 3 or SMV version 3 or TLS 1.1, 1.2, now all of a sudden that makes sense, where before it was just some random ask that was just on the list. Now it becomes a priority, right? So yes. Jarrett, um, you've worked a lot with storage systems and security. Where would you say ONTAP ranks? And I know I'm going to cut it out if I don't like the answer, so that's fine. Um, where would you say ONTAP falls in the spectrum of secure versus unsecure? ONTAP is definitely the Swiss army knife of storage, so there are a lot more buttons to press and moving parts. So it definitely gives you 
a high amount of knobs to turn, which is very good. The downside is there's possibly things that you can overlook, or admins, if they have a complaint, they're just going to turn off a knob to make the user happy. So it rates very well. I just like to see a lot more notifications of, hey, you turn this off or you turn this on. Sort of like how VMware, if you turn on SSH, for example, you get that annoying little exclamation point for all time, just so you know that it's been enabled. Uh, it's more of the user expectation or user visibility of some settings that I'd like to see. But beyond that, it's it's definitely uh, great for everything it's doing. All right, cool. I won't have to cut that out then. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, the Winners. Co- that's right. The convenience versus security. Uh, uh, saga continues, right? We look at you. Know, we look at things. To Jared's point, um, users do what's easiest, right? What's simp- more simplistic, and uh, most often that goes totally against the grain of security, right? We're more intrusive. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to know all the details, visibility is everything, so we can do mitigation. Well, that takes time. That gives you extra steps. It's everything that the end user doesn't want. So, how do you simplify that, right? And a lot of times, it's just m- making them aware that it exists. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, security itself, when you start getting into the, like, the nitty-gritty and start dealing with the SSL pieces and you're dealing with you know, TLS versus SSL and you're dealing with Kerberos and you're dealing with all those individual security aspects, it really isn't that easy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of a pain. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Have you ever set up Kerberos on NFS? Yeah, I mean, seriously. So oh, my God. Has to be, everything has to have... DNS, it all has to work. Everything has to resolve. All your certificates have to be true. I mean, yes, it's it's a lot of work, but hard? I don't know about hard. Well, I mean, hard in terms of being a lot of work. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I, I have yeah, all but, these things but, that are moving parts that I don't necessarily have control over. Yeah, but think about what you're doing there and why it's so complicated. It's so complicated because you're, you're, you're going through the process of being able to guarantee that when anything talks to anything else, both sides have the ability to authenticate and, and validate that they're talking to who they think they are, right? So, so it's, it's, in my opinion, of course I could say this, but that, that's a pretty high bar, right? It's okay if there's some hoops we have to jump through and if as an IT community, we're having to wrap our head around better tooling, better configuration management suites, better, better practices as an operations team so that we're capable of managing all of those settings. But Ultimately, it's it's not unrealistic to expect that that in 2016 you walk in the door and you set all that stuff up. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these things should be like, you know, a single easy button necessarily, and that you you shouldn't have to have all these things you have to set up. It, it is it's a necessity. But I'm saying from an admin's perspective, when you don't have control over everything in your environment. If you're the storage admin, for example, and I don't have control over my AD environment, my KDCs, my DNS server, if I don't have control from a certificate standpoint, I don't have the certificate servers, I don't maybe have a VeriSign login. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the security piece that the storage admin has zero control over. Oh, I completely agree. And as, as far as Absolutely. Kerberos, for example, if I just thought about all the storage admins I've worked with throughout my career or even the general purpose admins, I'd say 95% don't know what that term means. Exactly. Well, there's a reason that I use the term IT pro and not storage admin or vert admin or any other particular vertical because I don't, I don't personally believe that, that you can specialize in any one thing anymore 
You, you, yeah, nor can you a be a true generalist. generalist. Yeah, we yeah. can't be true generalists. You have to have some specialization, like you, Jared. Right? You, you know a ton about security, way more than I do, buddy. Um, but 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 at the same time, you can't be blind to everything else around you. That's right. Yeah, I think that's a unique perspective, right? And I'll tell you, coming from. You know, my past, it's always been, you know, I've done jack of all trades and all that stuff, but I've been security for a long time, right? But it's been security product solutions, IDS, IPS, firewalls, you name it, VPNs, crypto, this, that, and the other. And so yeah. now I'm doing things in the storage arena. And I'll tell you, one of the things that you guys are, are talking about right now, um, one of the biggest, you know, eye-opening parts is the fact that you guys talk to totally different people. You know, I've, I've had a couple yeah. people engage with me right now, account teams and whatnot, they're like, hey... You know, from your past, you used to work with this customer. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, these 15 people, which are none of the 15 that they know. And so you're looking, you're talking to two different people. And these storage admins, you're absolutely right. They don't talk to the same people that we talk to from a security standpoint. And so now when you're bridging in the security discussion, it's another, another hurdle that you have to cross. Because my security discussions are generally with a director or a CIO because they're in a security, that they're in that chain. When you go to a storage yeah. guy, he's far removed from the security chain. So now how do you bridge that gap to get those guys to be able to roll right up towards the CIO or somebody who has a security mentality or mindset to help support it? So I've given a lot of talks in this realm, especially focusing on storage security. And I've given at places like B-Sides Las Vegas, which is held during security summer camp week with DEF CON and Black Hat. I've given it at universities. I've given it at storage conferences. And I usually ask about different education levels, like who's taken a class on storage before. So I, I'll get a handful of hands raised. And when I gave the talk at Besides Vegas, which is very, very focused on security, I asked them, who's taken a class on storage security? And in an entirely packed standing room only uh, conference or, or, or training room, I guess there were maybe 150 people in there, I had one hand raised. Now, to take that a step further, I asked that same group of security professionals who here has ever heard the word hyperconverged, and I had about four raised out of over 100 people. So we definitely have to make sure that we're educating the user base correctly, and not just the storage or IT pros, but the security team, because they're not seeing or hearing the same marketing that we're hearing. They're not... They're not seeing this day-to-day. They might know a lot uh, about their, like you mentioned, an IDS, like an intrusion detection system, but they might not know what protocols were were used. And think about how much a storage uh, system does today. I mean, you can do all the different protocols, and every single update is going to possibly add a new feature, especially when we look at at 8.3 to 9.0 or 9.0 to 9.1 what new possibilities of things will we have to secure by that? And security teams aren't always up to date on that. So it's something, especially me, since I work with a partner, I have to be more aware of those sorts of issues than even my own customer security teams because I'm going to have to guide them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting uh, along those lines, uh, just anecdotally. It's incredible. It, it, I wasn't trying to be dismissive earlier when I said that it's not it's 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 not hard. It, there's just a lot of moving pieces. I just I, I don't want to give any excuses. I don't want to give any slack or room for for a listener who hears this to go. Oh no, it's okay that our organization hasn't got this together yet. Like it's it's not okay. Any no, breach because you're is, a target. Is, 
yeah, Absolutely. any breach is is potentially the end of your entire business. And I'm not trying to to be fearful. I'm saying this as someone who recently deleted a Yahoo account that I had open for 15 years or however long that damn thing was, right? I mean, you just can't make those kind of mistakes anymore. It's not acceptable. You know, yeah. it, but, but, and, and to that end, I, one of the more hilarious plights these days is, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but Ned Pyle is a long-term program manager over at Microsoft and originally oh, yeah. oversaw SMB, you know, SMB1, the very first implementation. He has been on a rant trying to convince the world to stop using that protocol for the better part of six months. And it's just like every day on Twitter, just memes and him begging and posting blog posts and just constantly just screaming, stop using this protocol. It's not safe. And the world just keeps ignoring him and just goes about their merry ways, right? But I love XP. (laughs) That's the argument. (laughs) Yeah. You're absolutely right. I think we're in an, we're at an inflection point when it really comes to security, right? Because you're seeing it manifest itself throughout everything, you know? So like I said, the, the lens at which I don't care which capacity you are in IT or in a professional environment period, whether you're in IT or not, your lens has to change, right? Because it's like I tell my mom and, and you know, it's like, yeah, you're my mom, but she calls me when the IRS sends her a letter and says, hey, I get free credit monitoring because this breach happened. What are you doing about it? I'm like, okay, listen, I work in security, but, but and I, t- I think about it, I'm like, you know, I'm a bit taken back because I'm like, you know, she's right. We're all in this industry together. When we give talks at Insight or any other conference, I look at the room and I say, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have is everybody in this room faces the same challenges. We just don't work together as well as the guys with the black hats. Those yep. guys orchestrate and they come together and, and life goes on. But when one of us has a breach, whether if it's some, something happens here at NetApp, they don't say, oh, it's this division of NetApp. It's NetApp. If your company has a breach, you, you, nobody's absolved. Yeah, there's definitely a lack of openness as in the vendor world about issues. Most don't want to admit that they have a problem. If you look at like DEF CON, their, their hacking challenge, uh, the capture the flag challenge, there's teams now that are made up of 80 people. Only five are in the room, but you have another 75 outside working. And that's just for notoriety. When we think that 51% of all attacks are financially motivated, those are big enterprise-type operations. You had Hacking Team, which was a private company in France, which was selling exploits pseudo-legally to pretty much every government in the world down to your local police department. And... It, there's big business, big money in exploits. So you're telling me that in, in the 12-step program of security, we're, we're not even at step one yet? <laughs> uh, maybe after a no. couple months, companies will admit there's a problem when they can Only after they have a hack? Yes. No, I, no, you're right, Justin. We aren't at step yep. one. How many times do you still, to this day, roll up on a customer installation and see the firewall turned off? All the time, yeah. right? Completely inexcusable for the for, for for firewalls to be disabled in a guest OS. Now, mind you, it's not even like that's actually helping you because the guest OS has other attack vectors. But like, yep. it's got stuff baked in that can help. And 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 our industry has just is full of a bunch of people who who who, for the most part, could ignore this for a very long time and never built this skill set. And now this weakness is really starting to hurt the companies that we all work for. You mentioned VMs a second ago, and actually it reminded me of something that, that Jarrett mentioned on the Slack channel we're in. Um, so this is how hardcore Jared is with, with his security. 
so we were talking about phishing emails and we were talking about like links to emails and Jarrett actually has a VM he spins up when he wants to open up something he doesn't trust. Is this right, Jarrett? Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty common. <laughs> Completely with agree. I like people. that. It's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I had an email today which contained a PDF and they had a little bit too much data about me. So I knew they were human that sent it, but I didn't know how targeted the email was. So I did a little bit of a quick background check on the sender just to verify if they were if they were uh, bad or not. But still, I didn't trust the PDF enough to open it up on my normal laptop. Yeah, I mean, in the old days, it used to be if you got an email from a Nigerian prince, you pretty much knew that, yeah, that's probably not legit, right? But now it's like you're getting emails from people you know. Right. Or they're, yeah. they're spoofing themselves as, as your company services. Today, we got a phishing email. Me, me and V missed it. Um, yeah. It was a, uh, we sent you a fax. And that was the thing that set me off. Like, oh, you sent me a fax? Seriously? In 2016? <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, delete. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But the email looked legit. It said, you know, Exchange Corp and blah, blah, blah. If I'm a, if I'm a user that doesn't know any better, I'm clicking on that link saying, oh, a fax, sweet. That's right. Yeah, and it's time. One of my right? customers earlier this year had an audit. They are one of the most security paranoid companies of all my customers. And every single user is trained. Every single one has to go through a certain level of, of classes and trainings, WebExes about this. And they did a targeted email campaign. Over 50% of the staff clicked the link and put in their domain credentials. I love that idea. Ouch. I love the idea of a Fortune 500 just bringing in a pen tester and going, just just, just send an email to everybody so we can prove this point and get everyone t- taught. Yep. And, and really, they do that, but other people are much better at it. The, oh, the yeah. bad guys are, are definitely better at that. So it's not the Nigerian prince. It's we have access to everybody's LinkedIn data. We can get That's right. uh, friends of friends access to almost everyone's Facebook because some people, for a game, they'll just accept anybody as a friend for the free life. So, yeah. really, you can harvest so much data about a company's user base that targeting is really easy. What movie so, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to tell you guys, for those out listening, you know, like, hey, these, atta- these attacks and pen testing, etc., for what it's worth, now's the time, right? The education piece, whatnot, guess what? October is also not just, you know, breast cancer awareness, but it's also cybersecurity awareness month, right? So when you're doing these campaigns and things like that, now is a pivotal time. You go, you go on the internet right now and do any search for cybersecurity awareness, you will see 50 million ways times 10 as to how you can start invoking some of these processes in your environment. Yeah. We just Absolutely. got that email here at NetApp today. With all, with all new sorts of uh, security hoops we have to jump through now, but that's okay <laughs> because you need to have security. That's right. I had nothing to do with it and everything at the same time. <laughs> so along those lines, uh, we've we've uh, now that we've officially scared the crap out of everybody who wasn't already <laughs> reading into this stuff. Be afraid. Let's uh, let, let's talk about some of the specifics uh, that 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 uh, Andre you recently highlighted in the TR uh, that that we just released on. Data on cluster data on tap and NAS protocols. Some of the systems and controls that we have inside data on tap that can mitigate some of this stuff. All right, let's talk about it. We got quite a few things that we can kind of cover. Justin kind of gave it gave us a high level. Um, we can go down from the construct level and get as deep as you guys want. Um, things like RBAC, right, that continue for to forever and a day be overlooked. 
um, signing and se- signing and sealing, right? When it comes to like uh, SMV, NFS stuff, um, SIFs, things that you guys have seen for years, but yet we haven't seen any tra- any traction on or um, anybody actually take it to the next level. Um, these are things that are all baked in, right? And these are baked in from um, how long ago did they start developing version nine? I mean, so the point is, this didn't happen just today or overnight. Yeah. These are things that have been in the works for quite some time. So for those who are like, well, where's this been all this time? Oh, it's been on the roadmap. It's been thought of, right? It's it's top of mind. Kerberos, I see more Kerberos stuff through ONTAP 9 than I've seen in any product I've worked with in the last 10 years. So a lot of the Kerberos advancements, like the encryption, that came in 8.3. Um, so the SMB signing and sealing and the LDAP signing and sealing yep. was actually kind of a feature parity thing from 7 modes. So we actually added that into ONTAP 9. Uh the real benefit, I think, that they added that is kind of getting overlooked here is not the signing and sealing aspect, but the offloading of the signing and sealing to the processor. So we have Intel processors with the AES-NI yeah. uh, process domain to allow you to use a processor to do all the work instead of having a performance hit. So the performance hit for these, these processes with the signing and sealing is minimal compared to what we've seen in past. Yeah, because we've, we've had that... Uh a couple of different times, uh, but, but turning it on has always been one of those, well, do you want to drive all this performance or this little bit? Right. It's like the school bus with the speed inhibitor, right? <laughs> you can't do 90 in a school bus. That's I right. wish you could. But, um, you you know, they limit it to 45, and that's kind of how the security features were because they, they have to do more stuff, yep. uh, you know? To that point, um, you know, one of the biggest things that we always look at is checks and balances, especially when it comes to security. Uh, why? Because we have audit, we have governance, we have all these good things that you have to abide by. So what's the first thing that the auditor asks you? Well, not, don't just tell me that you're doing it. Prove Show it. me, right? Exactly. Prove it. How are you doing it? So some of the things that you have in, in nine are um, how do you send your syslog out, right? And some of the worst things that I ever saw um, when I was, you know, selling other security solutions and, and architecting it from a uh, security portfolio standpoint at other companies in the industry was that we would have all these methods that we started incorporating to give what we call quote unquote visibility, right? Because visibility is everything. Well, the worst thing you can do for visibility is put all those eggs, as I heard earlier, all the eggs in one basket and then don't secure it. Oh, sure. You can send all that out, but now you send it clear text. That was a horrible idea. Right, so some of the things that we do in ONTAP nine is allow you to do TCP and UDP encryption, right? Encryption levels on things like syslog, so that you can send these things out in a secure method, right? There's nothing worse than data at rest being secure, and then you're going to send your audit controls out uh, clear text. So, and that that's we'll definitely see. a beautiful addition. And another thing is, they go over a little bit more of the SSH ability yes. within the system or changing the keys. Yeah, uh, I. I would love to see it updated with how do you add a key. I okay. mean, I have blog posts about that, so they can always go to my blog. But within the document, yeah, I actually include that in TR forty seventy three as well, adding SSL keys. Yep. Good. Right. I can cl- I can definitely add it. That's the cool thing about all this is we can certainly throw more things in here, and you know, I, I love hearing from you guys. Right again, the industry experts, so I can make sure that we're on par with it. So what's our um, so SSL and SSH and that sort of thing? They all have different algorithms and security levels. Yep. What is the um, supported security that we deal with when we're dealing with TLS and that sort of thing? Like, are we using Diffie-Hellman, MD5? What are we dealing with? That's it. So you're, you're looking at Diffie-Hellman, you know, SHAs, and, and we're getting away from the SHA-1s and adding, adding things like 256, 
512, right? And all these are, for, for those who, who don't necessarily know the, the details and the intricacies of, of all of this, it's, it's how many times you're doing a hash, um, how many digits, how many iterations of the hash. In other words, just how, how many computations, how complex can you make it, right? That way it can't be reverse engineered, right? We all know that uh, generally, in general, that hashing is a one-way deal, right? So technically you should not be able to reverse a hash. Well, the more you do it, the better off you are in terms of making sure that that you know, nothing happens until it happens, right? So that's how we make sure we, we secure that. So all that we're saying here is it's longer than ever, right, in terms of those hashing algorithms. It's no longer, you know, looking at group, you know, SHA-1, which, you know, only used, you know, less than, you know, like 128 bits versus like a 256 or 512, right? We're, we're going well down the line. We have AES and using 256 there as well uh, on the other side of things. So these ciphers and algorithms that we're quoting, um, all you need to know really is that, um, we're using the more the latest and greatest, right, to make sure that everything that you do is in a more secure light. Jared, what's the industry standard right now for security when you're dealing with uh, whether it's Kerberos or SSH or SSL captures? It really depends on what you're using it for, but, I mean, if it's not AS-256, I say throw it out. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, one of... That, that's a bare minimum. One of my uh, internal labs that I've had stood up for about four or five years ago, or four or five years now, uh, it has an enterprise CA uh, for, for internal certs. And when I originally stood it up, you know, it's Windows Server 2012, and uh, I just stood up the CA, didn't think twice about it. Well, out of the box in 2012, it would install a SHA-1 on the root cert, on the private yeah. key. Absolutely. Uh, well, about four months ago, all of a sudden, <laughs> when I try to log into my lab, Chrome is just throwing all sorts of validation and, and, and Google just went in there and said, you know what, not good enough anymore. We're not, I don't care if the cert trust is, is good. We don't trust it. There's not enough entropy in the certificate for me to use it as, as, as uh, proof. Yep. So that's a valid use case to switch to IE. <laughs> no, no. See, that's that's the problem. That's that's the results that I think our industry still we still have that knee jerk reaction of oh Chrome's complaining. Oh, Firefox works. Well, everyone install Firefox. No, the problem is your root cert is no longer safe, and you need you to go. go update it. Yep, convenience once again over security. We need the opposite. I just say Google. Trouble. You're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Java GUIs, which are keeping people away from that. Uh, every different version yeah. of ASDM or this this yep. GUI or that GUI, they're like, oh, I'll just have an old browser on this one system here. And That's that exactly right. never gets updated. So that is an open door. That's a pivot point for a hacker to be able to jump off anywhere they ever want in the future. And it happens all the time. Those third parties, those Honeywells, one of the last audits I did doing pen testing before I came to NetApp, it was on Honeywells. Right, those nice sensors that are sitting in the data center that are supposed to detect water on the floor, and it yeah. makes a call out and just lets you know all it is is a sensor, but it's got IP connectivity. Well, how often are those updated? Uh, hashtag never. Like it just never happens, right? It sits there until you replace it, and so it's eight, nine, ten years old. It's got third party running a third party OS, NT, some of these other things that you'd never believe still exist are still there. Printers, SMB. <laughs> there you go. Right? Not, maybe not even SMB. Maybe SIFs. Well, what's actually amazing is there's over a billion devices, especially printers, using one single SMB stack and all made by one company. And that one company actually has a crazy amount of options and uh, security ability. They can do Kerberos. They can do all these things. But the actual manufacturers never implemented the advanced security features of it. Well, and, and, and this is where we're coming to a Hunger Games moment. And, and admittedly, admittedly, this one is a little slower. 
right? Because it's it's made up of people who have been burned before, and and it takes a while for enough people to get burned for that to become the the predominant majority, which is the process that we're all living through right now. But it's happening nonetheless, and organizations that 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 make that shift and become security focused and start to incorporate data protection and 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 just holistic systems for protection and and uh, service restoration and business continuity all that stuff if you do that now then 5 6 years from now when when there is no more tolerance left for these mistakes you'll have a staff that understands how to work in this world and you, it, it'll just be part of how you do business if you wait you're going to get displaced by somebody who met, who learned that lesson. Uh, you know, Glenn's opinion, but but that's what I think we're we're looking at. Yeah, don't be the low hanging fruit. Just a, a question to anyone that might be listening. To anyone listening to this podcast, have you logged into anything with Telnet in the last six months? And if you have, why? Especially fiber switches or old HP switches, things of that sort. Those are devices that I see go three to six years without a code upgrade. If you have those, get them off the floor or get them updated because you might not think of a fiber channel switch can be compromised, but it absolutely can. Yeah, and beyond that, I mean, so that brings up another point. Um, so Telnet itself, you know, port 23. So when we deal with well-known ports, you start dealing with this this library of ways people can get in and see things because they know where to go. So there are security through obfuscation. I can never say that word. Um, Where you basically change the port and you say, hey, I'm not on this port anymore. I'm over here because I don't want people knowing where I am. And and ONTAP has an ability to do that with some NFS uh, functionality. So NLM, uh, quota, they can change all these well-known ports for NFS v3 operations where you don't have the same standard port uh, and you can avoid some of that. With NFS itself, it's port 2049, so you know V4 is going to use that, so then you have to secure it through firewall stuff, uh, secure it with Kerberos, secure it with you know ID domains, whatever you can find. Yeah, you guys bring up a good point. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges we continue to see is, it, it, we've all talked about it all day long here on the, on the podcast, is, but when it comes to security, it, people tend to be scared to be authoritative. You have to be authoritative. We're in a day and age where when it comes to security, there's no wrong answer in terms of how authoritative and fervent you can be on your user community, yep. right? So one of the things that you're going to start to see in TRs, um, especially the, the security-related ones to the point that we're talking here with the ONTAP one and there's a ransomware coming down the pipe uh, and a number of others, is you will see clearly stated, this is highly recommended. This is not, right? You have to give. It's no longer giving guidance. It's telling them what the action should be, right? So the ransomware thing, I don't think I think we kind of touched on this, but we didn't really go into detail. So, if you have a ransomware, and if you don't know what ransomware is, it's basically someone has something that's either through phishing or through some sort of uh, planted executable where it actually holds your data ransom until you pay a fee to unlock it. Um, but with ONTAP, as Andrew alluded to earlier, or Andrew, uh, as with ONTAP, <laughs> Andrew isn't even here. As Andre said earlier, uh, we can do snapshot restores. And that, you know, if you're taking snapshots on a regular basis, you are essentially immune to ransomware. Yep. And that goes to Glenn's point, right, where you no longer get the out, right? It's no longer okay to do the workaround. Like, oh, well, I'll just do X, Y, Z. Because one of the things that I've already started to see is like, 
the, this solution provides the best remediation you can have, and that's restoring from those snapshots. But then the question is, well, how often are you doing your snapshot? So to Glenn's point, how long are you those, holding them? Exactly. So you, you can't wait. I just talked to somebody earlier. He's like, if you're in healthcare, you can't do a snapshot and then like, oh, well, once a week we do it. Well, the guy who just came in the ER had some issue that you put in the file today. If you go back and try to revert from next week, you're going to miss whatever he was allergic to that you just diagnosed. You today. just killed that guy. That's right. So it's and it's a Glenn's point once again. It's not okay to just be like, oh, well, we'll just you know that's how our snapshot works. We'll revert to that. No, no. The 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 recourse there is you need to do them more frequently, right? That's what you need to make sure you change. Change your process, change what you need to do so that you can make sure that's an effective remediation. And, and back to the code spaces example, because that's a good example. It, don't leave it on your storage system, you know, ship them off somewhere else with a different password and key to get into it. Because if you don't, you're looking at someone getting in and not just deleting your data, but deleting your snapshots as well. And then what do you have? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that, that's the whole three, two, one methodology, right? I mean, as an industry, we know how to do this. We just fail to follow through. So, some of the TRs we have out there for security, we have TR four four zero one, which covers PCI DSS three with uh, cluster data on tap eight three, and then we also have TR four three nine three, which is the data on tap security guidance TR. Andre's TR will also be available. We cover some more security. Uh, and that, you know, for that perspective, TR4073, I talk about Kerberos with NFS. Um, so there are stuff, there's stuff out there for, for NetApp and security. Jer, are you, uh, do you have any sort of go-to documents you go to for security? All of the above. I mean, every guy who's into security has, or every person into security has their own toolkit uh, of things that they run or they check on. Uh, so really it's, it's part of a whole. I mean, I can't just lo- look at storage. I have to look at what's running on it. I have to look at the clients. So it, it really is a a big environment of things to be checked. So a even security if I ecosystem. My, yes, an ecosystem. Nice. Gen- generally speaking, though, right? I mean, I, I think I th- correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'll, I'll I'll throw this out there, uh, and then and then I'll let you two. Uh, come in and, and slap me down if, if I oversimplify this. But as someone who is not actually that like well-versed on security, but has way too much experience around people who are, um, my, my background before joining NetApp, I've talked about this on the podcast before, I spent 10 years working with the, the U.S. government Department of Defense. So it's yes, all of this stuff. Um, the, generally speaking, if you just walk in and you take a least privileged approach of turning everything off and then selectively turning things back on as you actually need them, you're safe, right? It's it, the, the, the stuff that's almost impossible to do is to retroactively go into an existing in, in, installation and, and quote unquote secure it. <laughs> because it, it just, the, these systems are so complex. There's, there's so much going on. There's, there's data flying all over the place. And, and, and if you don't, from a system level, take a systems level approach to it, you know, tur- turning that on isn't something that realistically can be done. Now, there is mitigation, which is what we're really talking about. Snapshots don't protect you from ransomware. They mitigate it because you can get yourself back out of the situation, but you still get hit by it, right? Yeah. The, the way to get out of it is, is to educate the, the, the user base to, to avoid the vectors in the first place. But that's a very, very long, complex process. So in the meantime, if you're building it today, the TRs will tell you how to set it up. But generally speaking, the process is 
turn it all off and then selectively turn it on and whitelist. Yep, in theory, that's exactly right. I think the challenge, (laughs) the challenge that we have is, in practice, all too often, the business takes over, right? And and obviously, Glenn, you you clearly know this as well, right? It's it's that challenge. Uh, Do we wish that that was the the approach everybody took? Absolutely, you're you're hands down right. The challenge that we get is all the well, no, no, the business has to run. The business has to run. But here's the challenge: the other side of that is, it runs until it doesn't. Until they get hampered by ransomware and all of a sudden you have to shut your business down, then what? Nobody's running. So it's one of those, it's a catch-22, but it's at the same time somebody's got to be willing to stand up and take the brunt. And I'll tell you, it normally rolls up to a a CXO level. CIO, put it there if you want. But it's a CXO level that has to not only, because they're the ones that are going to take the heat for it, but they're also the ones who need to be able to stand up for it as well for us. And I'd say in a perfect world, yes, but... When you have things like every single storage vendor or uh, especially with new functionality within virtualization, you have virtual appliances all over the place. I mean, absolute cruft because of virtual appliances. Uh, Just things like that. How do you know what to turn off? How do you know what you can? Uh, We're sort of viewing this as we think everybody needs to be an expert in, in everything and just not knowing what is out there or what might be open is a huge issue. I recently grabbed a certain uh, VM appliance from a company and I had root level access to it and I was able to do something akin to uh, what a hacker might do to drop a rootkit in it within a minute. So that's something that we the, the appliance can't be shut down just for what it is. So we have to trust the vendor that they are actually securing it for us. And many, many times with those virtual appliances, they just aren't. Maybe the team that put it out has no idea what security is or that they aren't as creative as the hackers. Uh, so it's, it's really quite difficult. In that case, I would have had to never allow logins ever again to it after it was first set up in order to actually secure it from what I did to it. I guess, I, I guess stuff like that though is always going to exist, and and that's where iteration. You know, we have to trust in in iteration, and and Deming will eventually dig us out of those holes. You know, if 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 an, as an industry we just are responsible about it, well, okay, you found one, you report it, the vendor fixes it, and we just keep going through this process. I just and I know that I'm preaching I'm preaching up the hill, and and there this was figured out 15 years ago. It's just a little frustrating to me personally that. I don't see us making any progress, right? It feels to me like like we, we, we've just spent a decade talking about how to secure things and we've had cryptographers and white hats and black hats fighting a private war. And meanwhile, the industry ignored it entirely. I wouldn't well, say that they ignored it. It's just getting so pervasive with how many different products we have in a data center. There you go, yeah. Especially with DevOps coming out and that sort. Look at a, a typical... Uh, DevOps type environment where you might have 40 to 50 different libraries or different types of APIs or just tools that are used, services and servers that are used. And every single one of those is a different open source community or even maybe private or or, uh, proprietary software. And that's a lot of people to get together to work on security of them. 
Yeah, but at the same time, you know, shops doing it correctly are, are integrating the CSO office directly into that, that DevOps team, right? The security guys are putting unit tests in on the infrastructure that are testing to make sure that what the developers are pushing is secure by design. You know, we're, we're at, it, in, one ways, in one way, DevOps actually helps us combat this, you know, in, 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 in a modern, complex world. Yeah, you guys are both on it. And I think the, the biggest challenge is as an industry, there's, it's busy, right? There are new things showing up every day. And so there's companies that, to Glenn's point, they do it very well. Uh, and to Jerry's point, they're, they're massive in terms of how many products and solutions exist out there. And with this world, I'll tell you the other part is this world of APIs has massively changed everything. Because everything's open API, REST API, this. Well, I asked a question yesterday to a customer. How do you know what scripts are being written to your product if your product is so open? How do you know what third parties create and just, you just all of a sudden your threat landscape just got multiplied by 25, right? Because it just opened up to the world. You have no idea until the box crashes or performs something that it wasn't supposed to perform, right? So my point is with that, the threat landscape has changed vastly. So we're always on the back foot, right? We continue to have, you know, the black hats aren't always just the guys who are actively doing it. It's just the, the day-to-day use of integration. You know, IoT, that opens it up even more, right? Sensors everywhere opens it up even more. So to the point that we've been harping on, you know, all session, it's more important than ever that we educate, right? That we make sure that people are aware that their lens is a little bit different. All right, Andre, uh, Jarrett, thanks for joining us today. If we wanted to get in touch with you through either email or social media or whatever communication of your choice, I guess with Jarrett it would be a VM of some sort that you spun up and could destroy later. Um, how would we get in touch with you starting with Jarrett? Well, I'm Jarrett Colm. You can reach me on my blog at jk-47.com or on Twitter. Uh, tweet at me at jk47theweapon. All right, Andre, what about yourself? Uh, I'm easy. Andre Middleton, just hit me up at Andre at netapp.com. Did you stop drawing on that desk, Andre? <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, thanks again, guys, for talking to us about security and storage, and I, I hope everybody learned something today. Um, and if not, then you're, you'll be hacked and be miserable the rest of your life. I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, listeners, if, uh, if, if we didn't get into something and you have any specific questions that you'd like us to forward on to Andre and Jared, please hit us up, podcast at netup.com. Oh, yeah, podcast at netup.com. Great plug, Glenn. This is why we pay you nothing. <laughs> to do the podcast. I mean, I assume I'm getting paid by the company. Well, yeah, you're getting paid by the company, but I, I'm not paying you anything. Yes, this is true. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team and Andre Middleton and JK47 Jarrett Holm, thanks for listening. Great job, guys. You're my security experts. Oh yeah. Silence. So, I don't I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, I think Hurricane Matthew stole summer. All of a sudden it's like fall. It is now fall. I did notice this. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh yeah. You're not okay with it? I'm not okay with it, man. Hey man. Suck it up. <laughs> <laughs>